Welcome to Beyond Books, the podcast from the staff of the Novi Public Library. My name is David, and with me today is... Katie. Our special guest today is a local author and international bestseller who has been a speaker at Novi Public Library programs in the past and has a new book coming out very shortly called The Clover Girls, which we'll hear all about today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Wade Rouse, and um, yeah, I'm the internationally bestselling author of a dozen books, and I write fiction under the pen name Viola Shipman, which is my grandmother's name, as a way for me to thank her and my elders for all of their sacrifices. So tell us about your new book. Well, it's called The Clover Girls, and it's out on May 18th, and it's about four very different girls who become best friends at summer camp in northern Michigan in the 1980s. And then, as we all know, adulthood and life distances them until one of the friends is diagnosed with a terminal illness. And she reaches out to her former friends and asks them to reunite at the camp one last time in order to reclaim their friendship as well as, you know, the women they once were and the dreams they once had. And, you know, this is a summer novel that is really an ode to friendship and forgiveness. Um, It's about the fragility of life and really an ode to our best friends, you know, those people who complete us and know us better than anyone else in this world. Um, You know, my grandma Shipman used to say that Life is as short as one blink of God's eye, but too often in that blink, we forget what's most important. And at the top of her and my list has always been friends. So it's a it's a lovely, um, lovely book. And I'm thrilled because I just got the review from Library Journal, um, your peeps. And they, you know, they said it's just a, a glorious book and will remind readers um, of Ellen Hildebrand and Kristen Hanna. So I've been really thrilled. And it's set in Glen Arbor, Michigan in northern Michigan, and all my novels are set in Michigan resort towns, and it's just the perfect backdrop and setting for this book. Was this book inspired by true events and real people that you knew, or was it more of a work of imagination? You know, everything. You know, it's always such a good question because people always ask how much of fiction is real life, and a lot of it is. You know, um, I went to camp when I was younger. I think those friendships you know, and just the excitement and being away from home changes us greatly. Um, so it's inspired a lot by that. And also just the, you know, over the course of the last years is, um, as we all know, you know, life is so fragile. And, um, you know, I like to write about in every single novel, um, what my grandma Shipman called the simple things in life, you know, family, friends, um, our health, having a roof over our heads, you know, just the things that we too often take for granted. And I think over the last year, we've been reminded of that. And that's really the foundation of of this book. And, you know, all the main characters are inspired by friends and people I know. And in fact, one of the main characters, really the linchpin of the four friends, the Clover Girls, is a librarian. And, um, you know, was inspired by a number of my friends, as well as my love of libraries. You know, I, I, I grew up in the library, but my grandmothers volunteered there and the librarians became my best friends and the library became my sanctuary. So it's really an ode to um, books and happy endings as well. It's funny you mentioned summer camp and how those relationships really carry with us forward through life. I actually just found out last week through a newly discovered relative that I am distant cousins, sixth cousins in fact, 
with someone that I went to summer camp with about 20 years ago. So Wade, we did talk about this a little bit already, but I would just love to hear a little bit more about why you choose to write under a pen name and also how you chose the pen name that you do use. Yeah, you know, that's that's always, that's the biggest question I, I get. And I, you know, I understand because, you know, it's, it's very, it's like a literary Victor Victoria, I always say, because, you know, a man writing fiction geared for women under a pen, under his grandmother's name is, you know, a little bit odd. So um, <laughs> I intentionally, you know, before I started writing fiction, I was a, a, a humorist and a memoirist. I'd written four humorous memoirs that had been published. And I changed for a number of reasons, um, you know, and one of them was, you know, I grew up in the Missouri Ozarks before I moved to Michigan and all of my grandparents were working poor. Um, my grandma Shipman Viola, my pen name was a seamstress. She stitched overalls at a local factory until she couldn't stand straight. And my grandpa was an ore miner. Um, you know, they hunted and fished to put food on the table for their, for our family. And, you know, as the story goes, they they had an old crock in their garage, one of those big old urns. And whenever they had spare change, they'd throw it into it. And when it got full, they ended up putting it in the back of their pickup and hauling it to the community bank and starting a college fund for my mother. And she'd become the first in our family to graduate college. So, you know, that changed, changed the course of our, our lives. And, you know, my grandmother... Um, really inspired my love of writing and love of books. She also worked her tail off um, so her family would not have as hard a life as she did. And so it was an intentional decision for me to, when I started writing fiction, because all of my novels are inspired by my grandmother's heirlooms, um, could be charm bracelets, um, recipe boxes, um, the cottage we used to go to in the summer. Um, in this case, there's, you know, summer memories that I had with my grandparents that are deeply woven into this novel. And, you know, she really got life. And I thought that sounds a little silly to say, but she understood what mattered most. And when I got older and um, after my mother had passed away and I was helping my father move into a smaller home, I found, you know, as we all have gone through probably, you know, garages and pole barns and attics full of, of junk. And boxed up was were all of my grandmother's heirlooms, you know, the charm bracelets and their recipe cards. And I realized, um, you know, at that time that my grandparents were never poor. They were the richest people I'd known. They actually got the importance of life, something too few of us get. Um, so I changed, you know, I started writing fiction that, you know, was inspired by um, sort of the books that I used to read in conjunction with my with my grandmother's. And, you know, I also wanted to center um, characters in my novels around women like my grandmas and my mother, who was a nurse and a hospice nurse. I was that kid in college who, in my lit class, approached the professor because the syllabus was filled with all male writers writing about war. And I said, where, where are the women on this list? Mm -hmm. um, so I really wanted to center, you know, characters in my novels that reminded me of my grandmothers and my mom, just good, hardworking women who get knocked down a lot in life, but, and are too often overlooked in life and literature. I wanted to bring them front and center. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a conscientious choice. And I, you know, I've been 
very humbled by the reaction that readers have had to the backstory of why I chose a pen name. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, that helped me to understand your inspiration to write as well. Really wonderful. And were there any other big inspirations along the way? Any teachers or authors that really inspired your love of reading and writing? Yeah, huge. You know, I, I always say it's, this is funny. And I, you know, I speak to a lot of millennials, colleges, high schools um, today. And I always, I always say I grew up loving Irma Bombeck. So when I say that, there's crickets. I mean, just <laughs> nobody knows her anymore. Um, but, you know, if, if your listeners don't know who she is, she was, I think, one of, of America's finest humorists. And um, she had a local column in our little daily newspaper growing up called At's Wit's End. And it's, um, you know, my grandmothers and I read it to each other every week. And, you know, I saw them laugh and Irma Bombeck wrote about, you know, simple things in life, what I like still call the minute moments in life that are so, so simple, but so profound and beautiful. And so I always aspired to be her, you know, I, that's why I started writing humorous memoir in the beginning. Um, but those themes still continue. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends, um, and, you know, especially my mother, um, you know, my mother as a hospice nurse, you know, saw people end their lives with so much regret. And she used to talk to me a lot about that. And she would say, you know, please don't, you know, end your life with any regrets. Do everything you can possible. And she encouraged me greatly to to write and, you know, because it's always what I wanted to do. But too often in life, we let, um, you know, fear dictate us rather than our passion. So we always push that aside. Um, so my life changed greatly when I, I listened to her and, and finished my first book, um, you know, not expecting anything to happen. And I ended up getting a literary agent and she sold it within a week. So um, that yeah. was 12 books ago. But that's how quickly things can happen. And I, you know, I urge writers to, you know, and any artist to first push aside that fear um, and just start creating and listen to that voice that calls to you. You know, we're all unique people and Society makes us try and fit in and um, kind of wash away our uniqueness, and that's the worst thing that we can do. So I think that's one of the challenges that many writers encounter. How do you start writing? Do you just sit down and stare at the paper until something comes out? Um, do you kind of make an outline and fill it in and revise as you go? I actually just read an article about, I believe, a Simpsons writer that he would talk about the creative process and the timeline of creating each episode. They would basically do is write an outline for the episode, write some filler knowing that they would have to go back and revise it. So you just put some joke in there as a placeholder and then it'll be rewritten six times before air anyway. Is that a similar process that you went about in, in your writing? Great question. So yes, I always say people in um, Saga Tech, Michigan, you know, maybe worried that I'm a serial killer because I always keep post-its in the car. So anytime in journals beside me, so anytime an idea hits me, I will write it down even if I'm driving and slap it on the side window. So it looks, I mean, I look insane. I, I know that, but you know, you never want to lose that idea. But that, you know, as far as the writing, it's such a great question because, you know, in my former life, I was a PR director, busy, my days went from dawn until very late in the evening um, until, you know, until eight o'clock at night with committee meetings. Um, 
and there wasn't a lot of free time. So I started getting up very early in the morning, truly four, four thirty, so that I would be consistent in my writing and take it seriously. And it was the only time I, I had time to write. But you're you're what that Simpsons writer said is is correct, I believe. I just started. You know, in the beginning, it was it could have been an idea that came to me, a moment. It could have been a scene. It was, you know, my very first book was about me growing up in the Missouri Ozarks, um, you know, a boy that liked to read and wear ascots in the 1970s, not so good. Um, and I just started kind of channeling those scenes in no particular order. Or if a moment hit me, I would put that down, knowing that I wasn't losing it and that at some point I could use it um, in some way. You talk about an aha moment. That's how, you know, people ask how I start a novel and it's, it's usually not with a character or, you know, even a setting or kind of even the story I want to tell. I always start with what I call an, a, a, quest, a question, a big question in life. Um, you know, it, that's my aha moment because as a writer, I want to answer those questions for myself. And I also think they're important um, questions that that readers and, and people are asking themselves. So in the Clover Girls, it was um, really the question was, how fragile is life and how fragile are our friendships and why do we too often blame busyness and adulthood, um, jobs, families for letting things that were so want, so incredibly important to us at one time fade away. Um, that's really how I start every novel. You know, my previous book was The Heirloom Garden. And my question was, you know, why do we isolate ourselves from the world and what brings us hope again? So every book, memoir or novel, I start with a big question that I want, you know, that I really want to answer. And then I just, I start writing. It's, you know, I, I talk, I have a weekly um, literary happy hour on the Viola Shipman Facebook author page. It's called Wine and Words with Wade. And I have best-selling authors joining, join me every Thursday at 6.30 Eastern. And, you know, the big question is, are you a, a plotter or a pantser? That's always it. You know, do you plot your books out? in great depth or, you know, do you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? And for me, it's, I get deeply inside of my characters. I want to know them intimately. I know kind of the arc of the story, but I just kind of go day by day. I am not a, a plotter um, like so many mystery or thriller writers are because um, that feels like too much work for me. <laughs> like, you know, what my old job used to be. So, um, I, you know, I do a lot of in-depth character sketches, have my questions, and then just kind of go from there. And also on that note, do you have any advice for aspiring writers? How, how much time do you have? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, take a seat, folks. Um, it's, you know, one, it's the simplest advice. It's write, you know, sit down and actually spend, you know, 15 minutes in your crazy busy days and write. Um, I just watched, actually it was interesting last night, I watched a movie called The Salinger Year. And um, that's what J.D. Salinger told, you know, a young writer once was just, you know, sit down, you got to, you, you don't get very good at doing something, uh, you know, that you're not doing. So you have to carve out that time. And 
you know, I, I always say it's like we're running a marathon. You know, I have run a marathon. I didn't think I could do it. But you run a mile and then you run five and then you're like, oh, maybe I could get to seven. And it's same way with writing. It's cumulative. Um, you know, you don't get better at it until you really start practicing and you don't think you can do it until you be, until you begin to see a, a, a big amount of material in front of you. And, you know, the other is what I said, you know, we we sit down. I know many writers and I was the same. You sit down and think. I have a book that I want to write um, and you start, but your voice and your mind starts playing tricks on you. You believe I'll never be good enough at this. I'll never be published. I'll never make a dollar. There are better things I should be doing with my time. I need to get dinner on the table, my kids to soccer practice. I should be mowing the lawn, um, doing the laundry. And so you walk away. Um, you don't, allow yourself to follow what is calling to you. Um, and the other thing is, you you know, we too often, as I mentioned, try to be copycats in this world. You know, in writers, we all have the same tool belt. You know, we, we typically write about the same things, love and um, death and relationships and life in general, um, you know, and all the issues involved. But the only way that our stories are different is by telling it in our own unique voice. We have to channel um, what's deeply inside of us and listen to that voice. And we're taught not to do that in society. Um, so it's a hard thing to unlearn, not to be scared and to to trust that voice that's calling to you. So um, those are my those are my biggest things. You know, and writing is you know writing's not a craft fair. You know, take it very seriously. So final question. This is something we like to ask all of our podcast guests. Do you have any books or podcasts that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yes, there's there's a lot. Um, my <laughs> favorite is my favorite is besides my wine and words with Wade. Um, I love Friends in Fiction. It is uh, it's a podcast. It's also a Facebook Live, and it's a group of five um, Southern authors who get together every week and talk about, they interview best-selling authors like I do, but they talk a lot about writing and inspiration, um, making it and publishing. Um, it's a group of authors, um, like Mary Kay Andrews, who has a, her new book is out today, The Newcomer, um, Mary Alice Monroe, Patty Callahan, Kristen Hermel, and Christy Woodson Harvey, who just hit the New York Times bestseller list last week. Um, and it's one of my favorites. You know, I always say if readers want to get to know new authors, you know, tune in to my or their show if they want inspiration about writing, if they want to feel hopeful about what they're doing, if they have questions about the process or publishing. Um, I and they, you know, always do shows uh, once every month or so that try to answer those as well. Um, so those are my favorites right now. Oh, yeah, I'm totally going to have to check that one out. That sounds awesome. And tell us where listeners can find out more information about you and your writing. They can go to violashipman.com. Um, that's my website or waderouse.com. I have two. Um, or, you know, please follow me on Viola Shipman on Facebook and Instagram. 
Um, I have a very active Facebook author page where, you know, again, I'm, I interview authors every week. I share what's news about the book. Um, and uh, it's, it's growing exponentially. So I've been very, very grateful to everybody that's been following. And I think Michigan readers will especially, you know, love these novels and, and love to learn more about them. You know, it's interesting. I have uh, the Clover Girls is out May 18th, and then I have my first holiday novel that's out in October, and it's set in Traverse City. So I'm excited to have, you know, a couple of books out this year, um, all set in Michigan, uh, you know, and all inspired by my grandmothers. And I hope hope everybody visits your library and picks up a copy of the Clover Girls, or is it, you know, if they want a copy able to, you know, they can pre-order it anywhere. Just go to violashipman.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Wade. And thank you for joining us today, telling us all about, you know, your inspiration and um, behind your writing and your passion behind it. Um, it was really just so wonderful to hear about. Thank you very much. You know, I, I say it again, I've, libraries changed my life and um, I know they, you know, they've changed greatly over the last few years. Um, but, you know, the one thing never changes is that, you know, libraries and books change our lives. So thank you very much. And that is our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed that author interview as much as we enjoyed interviewing the author. Before we go, we thought we'd review what Katie and I are each reading or watching. So Katie, we'll start with you. Well, right now, I, I'll give you guys two things. I'm reading A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness, which is an older, uh, older title, but just the first book in a series um, from a couple years ago. I think they just made a show out of it, too. Um, really awesome book if you like fantasy. Um, I kind of think of it as like a Twilight slash Harry Potter for adults. So big fan of it. That's like right up my alley. And then also I just started watching WandaVision, the new show by Marvel, and I really, really loved that. You're so saying it's wonderful? It is wonderful. Yes. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> so can't recommend those two enough. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of in between books at the moment, but I just started watching Life in Color on Netflix. It's a new nature documentary narrated by David Attenborough, all about how animals in nature use color um, to their advantage, um, not just camouflage, but other things as well. Um, so check that out on Netflix. And of course, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to hear about in a future episode, you can give us feedback on our podcast page on novilibrary.org, or you can email us at podcast at novilibrary.org. So we thank you for joining us today. We hope to inform you. We hope to inspire you. And we hope to include you.